How many of you are ready to hear from the word this morning? Amen. Let's pray together as we transition. Lord, we just thank you. Oh, Father, we quiet our minds right now because your word is literally a light and a lamp. Lord, I ask you right now that as we share from your word and we talk about, oh, Lord, how great you are, how good you are, Lord, and how much you want us closer to you, I ask right now that you would open our ears, our eyes, our minds, our hearts. Lord, open us up right now, God, to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. Church, right now, wherever you're at, whatever's going on in your mind, I just want you to go ahead and give it to the Lord right now. Just go ahead and let him give you peace to receive the word this morning. Jesus, we just ask you for your peace and your presence, God. You're worthy to be worshiped, Father. We thank you, God, that your truth doesn't change and that you're here with us this morning, God. We thank you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. amen. I don't know, is Courtney and Jonathan, are you guys in the room? I know you were around somewhere. I saw you. They're, they're up there. We got a newly engaged couple, Courtney and Jonathan, sitting up in the balcony. We're excited for you guys. We've been celebrating every day since they got engaged, so I'm not sure that's going to stop until the wedding happens. We just kind of get used to that. In the Badillo household, we buy cakes. In the Androsiglio household, they just shout, scream, and celebrate until they get married. And so, <laughs> well, I want to share with you this morning from the Word because much of the time that I've just spent praying over the last few months, God has been downloading me a specific set of messages and just specific words that have been on my heart. And what's funny is, over those months, as I've just kind of taken phone calls uh, from many people, listened through text message and Instagram, and, and, and just kind of paid attention to what many of you have been asking, and not just you, but the world around us has been really talking about, I think the title of this message kind of begins to speak and address what I believe this time is calling for, because how many of you know that truth is under attack? Amen? And I, I titled this message, Will Somebody Please Tell Me the Truth? Somebody say truth out there. How many of you know that we're not always ready to hear the truth? Come on, somebody lift their hand up with me this morning, because if you're like me, I wasn't ready to write this message. Come on. Wasn't ready to even maybe receive this message in my own self. But you know, there is a world today, and there is a way that we're walking and talking and living and breathing, and I want you to understand that if we're going to recognize what's being attacked, it's going to start at truth. We finished last week's message and we kind of transitioning into what's happening this week. And I want to grab this with you in this message today because I think Hebrews 12 begins to speak about this idea of God's love, the idea of sin in our world and truth. Let's read it together in Hebrews 12, one through three. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. This verse is so important to our faith walk 
Because Jesus says, you got to remember that you're a flawed person that has many flawed ways. And those flawed ways are going to begin to eat at you. They're going to begin to take energy from you. Those flawed ways are also going to cause you to make and choose wrong things and bad things. We label that as sin, right? But I want to just help you understand the repercussions and the basic understanding. And that's this. Sin separates. At the very root, if we begin this conversation about truth... We have to just understand a very simple phrase this morning that I think we can begin this new series on, and that is this very simple statement, sin separates. You know, for many of us, we have struggled in our theologies in many areas because of our political stances. For many of us, we've struggled with our theologies in many ways because of our family circumstances, right? For many of us, we've struggled with different portions of Scripture and in different places because of various things that have happened in this life. And I just need you to understand this and walk this out with me. But the Bible makes it very clear that anything that separates us from God is sin. It is darkness, And that is very important for us at the most elementary, fundamental level to understand because many of us at times have trouble understanding why we feel distant from God. Has anybody been there? God, where'd you go? Where have you been? He's saying, no, 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 no. Where have you been? Where did you go? I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm not changing. You do. And so we have to begin to look at this. And now hear me, I hope you came ready this morning because I said to you, we're going to talk about truth. And so I'm going to ask you again, are you ready to talk about truth? You see, there's generations around us right now, both younger with us and older, that are absolutely starving for real gospel. And all they hear is love. But love is defined by way too many people. I'm sorry, Jesus defines my love. There was no greater love than this, that a man would lay himself down for another. That's what my Savior did. And you see, we got to start talking about this because I tell you what, it is starting to struggle and it's starting to very much weigh on families. And many of you, I know, I pray you'd amen with me because it's you who are telling me too, right? That our families are beginning to feel the weight because they're having to now answer their teenagers. (laughs) Come on now. But mom and dad, why is it wrong to live like this? Why is it wrong to make these decisions? Why, why, can't I, why can't I do what everybody else is doing? Why can't I walk around like this? Is there a standard out here? Is anybody with me this morning? Because truth does not change. Not according to the gospel. It's not going to change for your opinion, her opinion, his opinion, or anybody's opinion. Truth won't change. And I think for some of you, the reason why I I shared that verse to open is mostly for verse three. And it says, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I want you to understand mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, young person in here today, that you're not the only person struggling. But I'm asking you not to settle. I'm asking you not to settle for just any answer. I want to challenge us as a church to begin to pick up the Bible and start working from the Bible towards Jesus as opposed to working from the world back to Jesus. Did you track with me there? I'll say that one more time. I want to challenge us as a church to pick up the Bible and wrestle with the pages, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, 
concealing revelation, gaining revelation, understanding truth, and then going with him as well and wrestling more with him and saying, God, I don't like what this says. I can't settle on what this says, but I understand it says what it says, and I need you to show me and give me revelation because I know the God you are. Our challenge is we're not doing that if we're going to be accountable and honest, church. We're going the other way. We're fielding questions about every which way of life, every tough decision a parent, a grandparent, a guardian, somebody might make. And many of us are dying on an, on an island because we're either settling or we don't realize there's people around us that want to help us. You see, for most of us, we leave the book of truth very far from our circumstances. We leave that book somewhere over here and God is saying, no, 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 do me a favor. Begin to work from here and I will give you revelation and I will give you truth. The Bible makes it very clear that when we come to know Christ, our eyes have been opened to his goodness and salvation. Can somebody say amen? amen? In turn, that also means that we now understand good and evil and we have to adjust our life to reflect those new convictions we have. You see, I'm talking fundamental this morning, and I know that. I'm going to get somewhere over the next few weeks here with you. But I need you to understand as we begin to map this out that sin separates. And what I want you to start to look through the lens of is this, right? If we're going to say some people, right, or people around us or, or, or coworkers or bosses, well, I just feel like doing this. This is my life. I'll, I'll choose what I want. Then I need you to do me a favor and understand there's something that happens when you come to know Christ that messes that all up, and that's called conviction. Now, you can tell me, Pastor Nick, this is how I feel, and I'm going to nod my head and go, okay. And I'm just going to go, do me a favor, go back and read Scripture again. Go back and pray more with the Lord. And do me a favor. It doesn't need to be long-winded and you don't have to write these real neat, wonderful prayers out or nothing. No, do me a favor. Sit down, open up what you're wrestling with and say, God, give me revelation in Jesus' name. And do me a favor. Keep reading that book like you would to your child at night to put them to sleep. Just read it over and over and over and over and let him give you revelation and truth in Jesus' name. Church, this is so important because we have to understand that sin separates, but grace redeems. A culture that is based on a gospel of love only is missing 75% of what the cross accomplished. I need you to grab that. There is more to the cross than just the idea that you have in your mind of love. There's sacrifice, come on, come on. There's commitment, right? There's faith. There's a stick to itness, no matter how you physically feel, a mentally feel, emotionally feel. Oh man, I hope I'm getting somewhere with somebody this morning because sin separates, but grace redeems. I want to walk this out because I feel like people struggle with this idea of sinful nature, judgment, accountability. Let me walk this out with you this morning using Acts chapter 26. If you'll turn with me, if not, we'll have it up here for you. It says, but get up and stand on your feet for this purpose. I have appeared to you. To appoint you a minister and a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things in which I will appear to you. 
rescuing you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I'm sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. I want you to understand that our sinful nature is fueled by selfishness. It's just its natural food source, right? I want to, I, I need to, I deserve to, right? There's this natural flesh-given opportunity that we are born with, and we understand, we go back to the book of Genesis, and we understand where sin entered this world, and what happens? Sin does what? Sin separates. We have to grab this. Because if we truly live in conviction that sin separates, we're going to begin to run from it. Come on. And not only are we going to begin to run from it, but we're going to desire to understand why we should run from it. And you see, that's what I think sometimes is the disconnect for many years of many young people. And now many of you here that are now uh, much older and even elders in our church, right? You sat through many years of that hell, fire, and brimstone. Jesus is coming tomorrow. He's going to be here. You better get your doors right. You better walk. And everyone's like this, right? They wake up. Mom, are you here? Right? How many of you remember that one, right? That that one song they used to sing a long time ago, right? It was like a, a rapture song, right? You wake up, you check if your mom and dad are there, you find the most holy person in your house and you call them up. Are you still here? Great. Jesus didn't come back yet, <laughs> right? <laughs> so we've got generations of moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas that, that lived through that gospel, right? And now I'm sorry, but I, I am physically sick at the other side of the gospel and all I keep hearing is Jesus is love, Jesus is love, Jesus is love, Jesus is love. Well, what does he love? Who does he love? In what way does he love? Can somebody tell me this morning, what is the love of Christ? Because the love I read about holds me accountable to the sin that I've been made aware of. Oh man, I hope you're here this morning. You can't keep living like you do when he shows you what you're doing. It's just not right. You're watering down the gospel to make yourself feel better. And in essence, you're trying to make somebody else feel better. The gospel wasn't made to make you comfortable. It was made so that you would have eternity in Christ. That's a fact. You see, that truth can't change no matter whose popular opinion gives it, no matter what platform it's given from. But I, I, I want us to grab our, our sinful nature is fueled by selfish desires. Far too many people, I wrote it this way and I'll share it with you that way. Far too many people have allowed their moral compass to be centered on feelings and emotions rather than revelation and truth. It is our responsibility as God-fearing people to not just tell people what we feel, even though we feel like we should, right? We do it every day around 5 p.m. when we're driving home from work or sitting on the train and somebody won't move over, right? (laughs) I want to tell you how I feel, right? Come on now. (laughs) But if our moral compass is based on feeling and emotion, then we have to understand that it's only really up to the next good motivational speaker that we hear about that our next emotion is now made. You have to grab hold of the danger in our society today of the ever-changing gospel of Christ. I'm sorry if I offend you, but I'm not changing the gospel to to lead Living Word Church. I promise you, if you come in here, 
I promise you, if you're in here today and you feel like you're living differently than the Bible may say, I promise you, I'm gonna treat you as good as I can. I promise you, I'm gonna love you like anybody else. I promise you, the doors are as open for you as anybody else. I promise you today that I will do my best to show God's love because that's what I'm supposed to do. But I promise you this, God loves you enough to have told me and many other people around you that he loves you more than where you are today. He does. He does. He sees you. He knows you. He loves you. But where you want to be in his plan is a road that you've got to be ready to travel with him. It's a road of promise. It's a road of revelation. But there's instructions to the road with the Lord that are very, very clear. He says it in so many ways, church. When you've recognized sin in your life, do what? Flee from it. When you've got people around you that are pulling you down in your life and causing you to live differently, act differently, talk differently, just just absolutely go, you need to tell them to go away. Why? Because your soul is not worth the friendships. That's why. But you know what happens in judgment? People say, oh, no, no, Pastor Nick, but you're judging those people that I hang out with. No, I'm not. I don't want you to be judged for eternity. Let God deal with them. Let God love them. Let somebody who has enough patience for them come around and deal with them. But you've got to deal with you. And I think for some of you, you keep that as a cover. You're like, no, 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 but I, I'm not, I don't really want to deal with that right now, Pastor Nick. I'm just kind of, I just want to love all people and be loved to all people and do this. And God's saying, hold on for a second. You are absolutely kidding yourself right now because you yourself feel separate from God. You yourself are absolutely drowning in your emotions daily, trying to figure out how to get to the next step. But you're worried about everybody else and God's saying, listen, I came for you. Let the healthy lead the sick to still water. You see, you got to get healthy. But people misunderstand this idea of sanctification and they pull off in ministry. They say, no, 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 that church is way too judgmental. I can't go there. No, no, what you misunderstand is the difference between judgment and accountability. And that's the gospel. That you would be willing to walk out and understand that judgment is different than accountability. The Bible says it, that when our eyes are open, we are accountable. But be careful for those who don't have their eyes open because your words can hurt. Your words can separate. Oh man, I hope you're with me today. I'm going to read it. (laughs) John chapter eight, turn with me this morning. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. Where all the people gathered around him, he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And the laws of Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him, meaning Jesus. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. 
the older ones first, until only Jesus was left. With the women still standing there, Jesus straightened up and he asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of, say it for me, sin. Why? Because sin separates. He wanted his daughter. He didn't need to throw something around the house. He didn't need to scream. He didn't need to get a huge whiteboard and write huge messages and leave hints around. He said, daughter, you now realize that those around you are much like you. They struggle. They've walked through things. They've sinned. They've fallen short of the glory of Christ. But there's a difference between you and them. And that's before this moment, your eyes weren't open to the greatness and the goodness of who God is and who I am, as Christ said. But there is a difference in revelation here. You see, they walked away because they knew. Is somebody with me this morning? It says from the older ones down to the younger ones, they began to walk away. Why? Because they knew. They knew that their actions were foolish and they weren't going to lead to healthy growth. They knew that they were wrong and they've also fallen short and sinned. But what happens in many of us, and we use this verse in particular in a couple different ways, and many of us look at a verse like this in Scripture, and we just say, see, God doesn't want us to judge people. Pastor Nick, see, it's right here. We shouldn't judge people, right? And the answer is, please read on. Please read the rest of Scripture, because judgment is spoken about in many other areas. And there is a difference, and I want you to hear me because you can choose to interpret how you like to. And I'm sharing you, and I'm going to share more verses in a second here, how direct, the, 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 in building the church, as you begin to read through the New Testament, how direct Christ was in helping us understand the difference between grace and accountability. There's two different sermons inside of it for this woman, amen? The question that really needs to be asked in much of this is why was Jesus so loving towards the idolatrous woman and seemingly angry at the teachers and leaders in that conversation? Have you thought about that? The answer to me is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. It'll be up here for you to read in verse 12. 1 Corinthians 5, verse 12. And it says it this way. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Has anybody asked that before? Anybody like me? What business is it mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked person from among you. That kind of confuses things a little bit. I want you to read it again, and then I'm going to read another verse from the book of James, chapter 4, in just a second. I'm going to read it again and then go to James. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? Recognize the focus now being put on those who are inside the church. God will judge the outside, those outside. Expel the wicked person from among you. James chapter four, verse 17. Therefore, to the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is 
sin. It is grace that rescues. It is accountability that leads to growth. You see, what Jesus is most, was most afraid about in the building of the church, and if you can just join me or just someone on the piano is fine, anybody. Um, Jesus was genuinely concerned as the church of today began to be built. And as you read it through the gospel series and you read it in the book of Acts as they got together and they prayed. Many of the different teachings that Jesus held to, if you really study it closely, his greatest concern was not those who would be considered unhealthy, unholy. His, it, it wasn't those who were running around living life even necessarily as they wanted to and pleased to, right? His concern was those who were calling themselves Christians. He was concerned about those who looked like a sheep, but they were really a wolf. Come on now. Man, I hope you can digest this before you get to lunch. Because it's a conviction worth keeping. There is a difference between accountability and judgment. To the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. Many of you, we can say, are pretty well grown here. You're at an age of accountability to where you understand the basics of right and wrong. And maybe today you fall in one of these two very basic categories. You're sitting in this room today and you're like, Pastor Nick, thank you for sharing about the Jesus that loves you. I'd like to know more. I want to pray with you today. I promise you he's a friend worth befriending. I promise you he's a savior that is not just a fairy tale. He died for you. He rose again and he's seated at the right hand of the Father and wants to commune with you for eternity. If you are here today and you don't have a relationship with Christ, I promise you, even as I'm talking, you can be rude and you can bow your head and go, where are you at? <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> because the Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that you are saved. And so if you need to do that, you could do it right now in your seat, right where you're at before we leave here. And before you leave, I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to talk with you. But maybe you're in the second boat today. And as I start this series and we begin to understand what truth is and at the basis of truth, we understand that sin is this moment that our eyes are opened to the good things of God, which then also exposes the darkness in our world, and it exposes the things that we have to slowly begin to separate ourselves from. I started to share about sanctification before, and I would be remiss to end this message without explaining to you that you are a work in progress, and God knows that. But you being a work in progress doesn't give you an excuse to stay in your sin. You can't keep saying as if a two or three or four year old would, even though you corrected them and maybe they learned something this week and they, they moved on next week and, and you're not a young child, you're grown. And you see, the word of God doesn't return void. And so that means that when your eyes have been opened and your heart has been exposed to the goodness of God, there's just certain things that are going to bother you. Ask Jonah. 
There's things that, that no matter what you try to run from, it, it just won't escape you because the power and the love of Christ will pursue you all the days of your life. There are friends of mine and friends that I've met throughout the years that were once ministers and no longer ministers or people that say they claim to be Christ and they claim to claim to love Christ and know Christ and they tell me, Nick, I just don't want that faith anymore. I don't, I don't know what it is. Listen to me. I want you to know something because I want you to have a real conversation with people like that. They're around you. You don't need to read about them in the news. They're right here. They're in your workplace. They're in your schools. They're right there. You get to the root of why someone doesn't want to know Jesus, and I promise you they're going to point to somebody other than Jesus. Come on now. You get to the root of why somebody doesn't want to know Jesus. I guarantee you at the root of it, there's somebody else's name than the name of Jesus. It is a reality that we have to face in the church today, that there are people who no longer walk through the doors of our established church because of some of us. Come on now. It's not wrong for you to look at the brother that you're sitting near today or the sister that's by you and remind them, hey, I, I know we're friends on Instagram. <laughs> I know we have each other on Facebook or, hey, I know we work together, but I just want to encourage you. I know maybe you don't think you're a leader or you have influence, but, but there are people that watch your life that, that just want you to keep going. They, they don't want you to keep falling in that same pit. We want you to know we're here for you. We're not casting stones, but we're going to provide this love called a hug. And sometimes the hug is going to squeeze a little bit more because we want you to go deeper. We want you to experience a freedom that you haven't felt in this circumstance. And I want to challenge you individually today. There are people you have relationship with. I want you to hear me why I said that word. Because someone you don't have relationship is much like the people Jesus are talking about. Right? I don't know about you if you've ever tried to tell a 14-year-old boy what to do and you don't know him. I'm just saying. We're no different in our 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s and above. Right? We are no different. Don't tell me how to live. Well, maybe somebody should. <laughs> somebody needs to tell you how to live. And my hope is that his name is Jesus. Listen, your life is your own. You've been bought with a price. Amen. And God gives us this freedom. He gives us this choice, this opportunity to choose him or to choose the things that are around us that the world would have to offer. You know what you need to do. You know where you need to go. You understand that you're a work in progress and God loves that. But what he does not love, and he says it very clearly, he doesn't want us to stop and be lukewarm. We're either running towards him or we're running away from him. And I say that very specifically because he's not moving. Come on now. We're either running towards him or we're running away from him. And you make that decision this day. And I want you to make that decision because this week, if you make that decision, then maybe you can help somebody else make that decision. Maybe generations of their family are changed because of your obedience. Because you got to tell them how great God has been to you and your family. Do me a favor. I want to challenge you as we get to this fall to begin to ask God for boldness in your life. Not arrogance. We don't need arrogant Christians running around. But we need faith, Holy Spirit-filled, bold, loving, real loving people. Who when they look at their Christian brother, they're going to be honest enough to say, Brother, I love you. But let's go. Let's get going. Don't stay here too long. The enemy knows where you are. 
let's get going. Let's get out of this place. Let's not stay in this pit. Let's get up. Let's get up. Let's keep going here. Because what God has in store is worth protecting in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me this morning as we close? I want to invite those who would pray for people to come on forward today. Living Word Church, let's make a difference in the world this week. Amen? I'll ask you that again. Are you ready to make a difference in the world this week, church? Yes. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much that revelation and truth starts with you. I thank you, God, that all the days of my life I can seek you and find you. I thank you that you're not moving. I thank you, Lord, that as we seek you, we find you. And so this day, right now, I ask two very specific things, Lord. For the person that came in here and their eyes may not have been open to your glory, that they wouldn't leave here, God, without literally proclaiming you as Savior, God. And Father, second, I pray for those of us who've been walking with you and maybe we've just gotten a little lazy. Maybe we've just been standing in the same spot. Maybe we've gotten stagnant. Maybe we've started to even compromise in our truth. God, may we, may we be in a place where you can speak to us because the answers to truth are often not comfortable, God, and we know that. But we ask that you would do, Lord, as we read in scriptures, the way that you wrapped up, Lord, the woman who was being literally, Lord, persecuted by, by many, God. The way that you showed her real love, God, was by revealing your goodness to her and leading her to repentance. God, I pray that you would help us to not only live that life, but you would give us the boldness to help others live that life as well. Lord, forgive us. We say this as a collective church right now. Lord, forgive us for the things that we know separate us from you. Father, would you make those whole right now? May we surrender those things at the altar this day so that there be no separation because you tore the veil. You made a way that we could come into the Holy of Holies through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And now the presence and power and authority of the Holy Spirit. God, we thank you this day. We celebrate what you're going to do this week. In Jesus' name, all God's people said. Amen.